Welcome to the St. Matthew's Episcopal Church Worship Podcast. My name is Maggie Nancaro, and I am the Assistant Priest for Children, Youth, and Intergenerational Formation at St. Matthew's. St. Matt's is a neighborhood church with a worldwide community in St. Paul, Minnesota. This coming Sunday is January 23rd, 2022. Our texts this week come from Luke chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can read the texts on lectionarypage.net or at a link in the show notes. We're going to try something a little different in the coming weeks as we adapt to our new staffing arrangement. So just like we did last week, this week I will begin us with a prayer and then read the gospel. Then we will include a recording of the sermon as it was preached on Sunday morning. At the end of the recording, I will guide us in a spiritual practice that is related to the practice that the congregation is joining in for the month of January. This week, we're excited to welcome one of our seminarians, Dave McGeekrin, to preach. I know that you will enjoy his sermon this week. I'd also like to remind you that if you'd like to watch our worship service online, either during live streaming or later in the week, you can find that at facebook.com slash stmatthewsmn. We live stream our complete worship service at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays. That's in Central Time. And you can always find these recordings in the videos section of our page after the service. That's facebook.com slash stmatthewsmn. All of that said, Take a moment to settle in and join me in prayer. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and to proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. This is the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all on the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to share a little about an experience I had in choir a few years ago. Now, I'm a bass 
if you hadn't noticed, and basses often sing the low notes. Um, it's sometimes straightforward, a little simple, I'll say. Uh, we don't get the fancy parts like the sopranos do. Um, sorry, sopranos. My mom was an alto, and she gave me my love for music, and so I might have a little anti-soprano bias. I apologize. Anyways, something happened that night as the choir was practicing, and I was with them. There was this swell by everyone, and every part of it, every part of the singing came together just beautifully. I had this profound moment of joy and really communion with the others in the choir. I really sensed God's presence in and among us. And what was key to that is I knew my part. I heard others singing their parts. And I heard all of us coming together as something greater than we could do on our own. Now, I'm not going to focus on the, readings in, in, uh, the reading from Corinthians, but I think that experience is similar to what uh, Paul is calling the church to be. Where would a choir be if it were only basses or only sopranos? My hope is a little reflection on that will give us guidance for playing our part in life in general. So my love of singing and joining in that community of practice, if you will, deepened my spirituality and has given me profound glimpses of God's movement in, around me, in other people as well. And I think this is what the practice of examine is for, so I want to look at that some too. But first, thinking about this gospel reading, Jesus has people on the edge of their seats in the synagogue, if there were seats, I'm not sure, to be honest. And look at how Luke tells it. He describes every bit of the action. Jesus stands up, is handed the scroll, unrolls it to the specific spot, reads this astounding message of God's liberating action. Jesus then rolls up the scroll, gives it back, sits down, which is how they taught back then, and everyone is waiting for his exposition. And all he says is, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I like short sermons, but my goodness. <laughs> what did the people of his time and on that day understand of that liberation? What would that mean for us, for you specifically? for our community, for the nation, and the world? And how can we know God's liberating message and spread that with others? So again, we've been doing this practice of examine for the last few weeks. And I think key to finding God's message is that sort of examination of ourselves. The practice of examine, you may know, comes from Ignatius Loyola, the founder of uh, the Jesuit order of priests. Now, Ignatius was a 16th century Spanish soldier. This is the height of Spain's golden age. And Ignatius had bought into all the chivalric ideals of worldly glory, battle prowess, writing, all these things. A wound in battle ended his military career and forced him into a long recuperation. 
Worst of all, at the castle he was recuperating, the only books available were Lives of the Saints, which he was not interested in. Even as someone going into ministry, I would want some variety, so I have to be sympathetic with him there. But as he's reading them, he, something happens inside. He begins to be interested in a sort of chivalric service, but to a higher king, to God. And he begins to think and wonder about a life of deep holiness and dedication to God. But at other times during his recuperation, he thinks of a great noblewoman who he has loved and the past glories that he wanted to win continue to come up and he thinks about these and kind of meditates on them. He seems to have two uh, life paths in front of him that he's considering. He says in his autobiography that he slowly began to notice a change in these two uh, feelings and times of, of imagining. He would be really excited and interested in that traditional chivalric ideal when he was thinking about it and imagining all the glory and renown he would win. But after those times, he found himself dry and discontented. On the other hand, imagining that life of holiness, of imitating the saints, was also engaging and interesting. But after those times, he found himself contented, joyful, at peace. Now that, uh, that was the key for Ignatius to knowing where God was truly calling him. Now I'm not saying we all need to be monks or priests or anything like that, but we can listen to Ignatius' call in our individual circumstances to find where God is calling us, where is the life-giving, liberating message of Jesus. So again, we look at our gospel passage for guidance. Jesus' sermon here is the first public action of his ministry in Luke. We'll hear the rest of the sermon. It doesn't go as well after this first part. We'll hear that next week. But immediately prior to this passage, Jesus is baptized by John and then tempted in the wilderness. Joel Green, a New Testament scholar, points out the Trinitarian character, uh, the Trinitarian shape, if you will, of this. Jesus is anointed by the Spirit in baptism, giving him a profound grounding in God's love. Then he goes out in the desert and displays a total obedience to his Father anticipating his submission in going to the cross. Again, in the desert, Jesus resists Satan's temptation and enacts that total reliance upon God. And that theme of empowerment by the Spirit to do as God is calling us to announce liberation in the world is critical in the Gospel of Luke and Acts, its sequel. We see it even here in the passage quoted from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to bring good news, the gospel, and the message of God's favor. So God has this message of good news for the poor, liberation for the captives. And Jesus here is reflecting uh, and building on a long Old Testament tradition. Perhaps you've heard of the year of Jubilee. This was meant to take place every 50 years in Israel a year when debts were erased, slaves are set free. It's unclear if it ever actually happened, but that was the vision. And it is at the heart of Jesus' annunciation of the reign of God. 
And we need to hold on to that tangible, practical element of Jesus' message. God does not want people crushed by poverty and oppression. Part of the hard uh, saying to this for me is that I recognize on a straightforward level, I'm not poor. In a global context, I have quite a bit. I'm not really a captive or oppressed. I wear contacts, but I'm, I'm not blind even without them. I might have to read like this. Anyways, uh, my hope is that those of us with privilege of various sorts can hear this message and hear in it a call to listen to the voice of the oppressed, to join with them, again, as 1 Corinthians says, knowing that we are one body in Christ, and if one member suffers, all suffer with it. So can we learn to listen to that voice, see God's deep love for the oppressed, and know his message of liberation? Thinking about that and discernment, uh, and because uh, this past week was Martin Luther King Day, I'm reminded of a sermon, a story he told, rather, about the Montgomery bus boycott, an early moment in the civil rights movement. He tells about one of the women in his church, an elderly woman they called Mother Pollard, Pollard, who played a key role in encouraging him at various times. Reflecting on that early moment, he says, one of the most dedicated participants in the bus protest in Montgomery, Alabama, was an elderly woman whom we affectionately called Mother Pollard. Although poverty-stricken and uneducated, She was amazingly intelligent and possessed a deep understanding of the meaning of the movement. After having walked for several weeks, she was asked if she were tired. With ungrammatical profundity, she answered, My feats is tired, but my soul is rested. That is someone who knows God's life-giving spirit among the trials of life and who knows the deep-seated joy of God's liberation. So we must not lose that straightforward sense of Jesus' message of good news to the poor and the oppressed. And I also think there's a little way to spiritualize this passage a bit. We, too, are weary of the many forces of evil, sickness, and death in our world. COVID-19 obviously comes to the top of, top of my mind. How long, O oh Lord, we can ask with Psalm 13, how long must we wait? We need liberation from the oppressively constant bad news that seems to be coming. Trust in society appears to be breaking down, and we live in different worlds with people and can't seem to disagree. And so, with Ignatius and Martin Luther King, I ask again in this practice of examine, where does your soul find rest, find God's liberating message? Now, my hope is you don't hear this, hear me saying, take additional things on in life. My sense is most of us 
are probably too busy, burnt out, and tired. My hope is that by stepping back to listen to God's Spirit, we can notice what truly gives life, what truly liberates and gives us sustenance not merely for a moment, but consistently and through the difficulties of this life. So in the silence that follows, consider those questions in the bulletin from the daily examine. Where in the past day or week have you seen and noticed God's life-giving action? This month at St. Matthew's, we are engaging in the spiritual practice of examen. The examen is a simple practice that invites you to experience God's presence, to reflect on your day, to pray into what's troubling you, and to look forward to the future. This week, I'd like us to continue to do this practice together on the podcast. So first, Become aware of God's presence. Perhaps you want to sit in a specific way with your feet on the floor and feel the ground and the way your spine is aligned. Or perhaps you want to take a deep breath and just settle in to the love around you. Next, Review the last 24 hours with gratitude. What have you been doing lately? Who did you see today? What can you name in the events of your day that you are grateful for? Is there anything that has been especially life-giving in the last 24 hours? Where did you feel most fully yourself, expansive, connected to the wider world? Were there any moments of joy? Has anything been especially life-taking in the last 24 hours? What has depleted you or drained you or caused you to feel disconnected from God, yourself, and others? What was that experience like and what were the conditions around it?
Take a moment now to offer a prayer into what you found life-taking. Perhaps you want to ask God to give you guidance or patience or hope. Perhaps you want to ask God to help you change this situation or for some grace as you meet it again. What do you need to meet this life-taking moment differently? Then you can look ahead to the next day with hope. What are you looking forward to in the coming day or week? What is on the horizon that is exciting you? Thank you so much for joining us today and for practicing the examen with me. I hope it has the ability to shape your coming week and that through it, you may find that you are learning more about who God is calling you to be. We're still collecting feedback regarding the podcast to help us shape the direction of this resource. So please let us know how this new format is working for you and how you've been using the podcast. Please also let us know if you would like to receive communion. The Eucharistic visitors and I are eager to help everyone be connected. I look forward to seeing you when we can. And in the meantime, I will leave you with this blessing to hold you in the coming week. May God's blessing be with you. Christ's peace be with you. The Spirit's outpouring be with you, now and always. Amen.